in five, four, three, two, one. Cheers, guys. Oh, God. Cheers. Mm. Cheers. Again. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, y'all, to another episode of the Wine Thursday podcast, where some of us will be drinking, but all of us are definitely going to be talking some shit. I am one of your co-hosts, Mario, and of course, we have Aya with us. Yo. Mr. B. Avery. Hello, hello. And Brinius. What's up? How's it going, guys? How's everyone's night going, actually, by the way? Chill. Just had some potato corner today. Got my lashes done. Got a and now we're here. Yeah, it's the same for me. Yeah. I, I did all of that. <laughs> Not getting my lashes done, but... Oh, that would have been cute, though. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bryn? Um, I'm doing pretty okay. School is definitely kicking my ass right now, but it's okay. I mean, like, it's, it's the second week back from, like, spring break, so I think I'm still in that you know, trying to get back into the groove of things and like with like hell assignments coming up and stuff. Thankfully, like it's Good Friday coming up, so we're gonna have the day like off. So I'm happy that I can like relax eventually by the end of this week. I'm also doing good myself. As I mentioned earlier, I haven't taken a nap from an early morning shift this morning. It's fine. I think I'm mostly just running on adrenaline because I've been pretty wired on caffeine mostly. Maybe this will kind of simmer me down a bit. Let's go. <laughs> I, I hate whenever I'm tired, my eyes feel like they're burning. Because they're so oh. Like, you're so uh. tired. Mm-hmm. Like, you're fighting to close them, but, like, when you kind of, like, blink, you can feel, like, the sting. Yeah. It's like an allergy in a way. Yeah, I hate my that. eyes are just watering when the episode started, so I was like, <laughs> Oh, no. Mine just feel, like, really heavy, where, like, if I start blinking, it'll be so hard for it to, like, open up again. No, y'all see me fall asleep on Discord, so... <laughs> It's all, it's all good. <laughs> I'll, I'll literally just kind of like stare with like my eyes are like, like trust me they're they're open they're, they're open but in reality I'm trying to like play off that I'm asleep. <laughs> Basically <laughs> like the eye that's open yeah. on your eyelids. <laughs> I literally just be like this and I'll be like just like trying to fight to stay awake but in reality I'm just like nah, I'm just going to sleep. But anyway, awesome to hear that you guys are doing good. Something uh we definitely wanted to talk about um, which is, has been happening for not just in recent time but it's been happening for a while and that is the awareness the the media awareness rise in asian american hate crimes that have been occurring not just in the bay area or the state of california but it's becoming more of a universal problem where now it's becoming more of historical segregation between minority groups and most importantly with the asian american communities in the bay area there have been especially people of older age, being attacked without warning. And nobody knows the motives, but they all line up to all be Asian Americans. And what the media has identified these attackers as young adults, or most importantly, to kind of create this divide line that has become controversial recently, they have been also blaming African American communities for attacking as like the main people that are coming after them now of course here the wine thursday podcast crew we definitely don't believe that it's much of a race war but there's a lot more to it than what the media explains and it does it definitely shows from historical context and i kind of wanted to pass the mic on to the rest of my crewmates since they are all asian americans and 
they themselves may have experienced this even before this social media awareness of the recent uprising in hate crimes. First off, I just want to hear how you guys are feeling about this and how this has affected you in the past, if comfortable speaking about it, and also how you currently feel about it, how your initial reaction was. For me, like, I, I can say we all feel this where we're especially afraid for grandparents or our older relatives who have an active like outdoor life or they're always outside or they're doing something in their daily lives. It's coming up again where all of these hate crimes are, are happening to our elderly Asian American like community. For me personally, like this is really weird to say, but I'm happy not happy, but I'm like relieved that my late grandparents don't have to see or like, you know, experience it right now. Both of them were really active, like going on walks. They're always doing their own thing. They're going over to a friend's house. Friends, uh, Their friends are coming over here. I'm happy they don't have to deal with that. But going off that, like, I, I know a lot of like my grandparents' friends because they still live here in California. And I actually just saw one of them recently. And it's scary to think that they're, they're some of like the nicest people. To think that they are in danger of all of this shit, it's really scary. And like, it doesn't even just have to stop at the elderly like my parents they're active and they do all the stuff and their friends and they're like our family friends they're all like in danger of all the shit i'm at this point where like i'm it hasn't happened yet to me and i'm like really holding on to the hope that it doesn't happen but it's it's in the back of my mind that it's a possibility that it could happen correct like i think one of the first ones that i heard was when um that i forgot her name but the elderly woman in san francisco who got attacked and she like fought back like with the bat and like the gurney took the person who attacked her and left her to fend for herself. I remember when I um, saw that like on the news and like like when I heard about it, I was devastated, right? But there was also a part of me that was actually really shocked. And I was like, wait a minute, this is like news talking about an Asian person. And like there was a part of me where I was like, there's actually getting some type of exposure to this. Like, I wasn't, like, familiar with that. So, like, there was a part of me where I was, like, okay, like, I guess, like, now people are, like, trying to speak up on it. But at the same time, like, I was, like, okay, now I'm also, like, really scared because it's also going to make me, like, how you were saying, I am really fearful for my grandparents who live in New York and they walk everywhere. And it's such, like, a populated city. You never know what's going to happen. They've even sh shared stories with me about how they've been harassed, like, on the street, like, on their way home, it, even in their old age. Like, it's crazy. It sucks that, like, I'm over here and I just have to, like, pray that they make it home safe, like, every single night. And what sucks, too, is that, like, we're scared, like, for the elderly. But even hearing about the 19-year-old girl who got shot in the face, they're attacking the youth as well and it's like my age as well obviously like when I walk around I've always been like kind of cautious just as like a young female but now as a young Asian female I just feel like 10 times more on edge I don't know it just like really sucks you know but I don't know I think there's also like a small part of me where it's like now I'm seeing um like these websites like and these hashtags like stop Asian hate and stuff like that there's a part of me where it's like, you know, I'm glad that people are now like feeling like bold enough to like speak out on it and realize that like this discrimination, these like um, feelings of like hatred towards us, it's been around all this time. But I guess like now people are feeling like they feel like they, they can say something about it. So I'm hoping that there's some good to come out of this, but I'm still scared at the end of the day, you know. 
Yeah, same here. I'm glad that my grandfather isn't alive anymore because him and my grandma were very active. They went jogging. I'm glad that my grandma, though she needs the exercise, she isn't going outdoors just with my grandpa. Because whenever they did go jogging, they never experienced discrimination, but they definitely had accidents. Like if they slipped on like black ice that you can't see, right? My grandma's gone to the hospital because of that. They've been attacked by dogs, but I'm glad that he's not alive during a time where he has to see this hate up front. Like Bryn was saying, you know, it's been around a long time. Historically, anti-Asian racism and sentiment, it's not new. It's just for the first time, it's being brought up to the news. I think, Bryn, when you brought it up, I'm finding out more that racism doesn't have an age. It doesn't matter, like Bryn said, the 19-year-old. I didn't get to look into that if that was a, a racial attack. I did read that she happened to get hit and was in the area. Um, the other one that really freaked me out, which I didn't really get a lot of traction. I think it was in San Jose, South Bay Area. 26-year-old Filipina nurse gets pulled down by the back of her neck from a white guy, and she gets beat up, and he's yelling racial slurs. And I was like, I'm 27. Kind of like what Bryn was saying. It's just like, oh my god, uh, that could have been me or someone that I know or one of you. And it wasn't until like that's specific one that it really struck a chord with me i feel like just with the insurrection episode i feel like i've been pretty desensitized to anti-asian hate and i feel like that's also attributed to any model minority privilege that i have or just living in a part of the bay area that's very much bubble and living in san francisco you would think that places like san francisco being a sanctuary city and everything everything's gonna be safe i think just being in the bay area and living at home as of the past few months, I see the news every day. And there's a lot of Asian, surprisingly, in the Bay Area. Uh, the numbers are high. I think before a lot of recent stuff that happened in March, a crew in Oakland just got together. Like, we're going to do night walks so we can find elderly, walk them home, make sure they're safe. And that happened in February, a little bit in January. Slowly, the media has just been catching attention of anti-Asian hate. I think the after like dialoguing some of this with my students, it just helps me realize that racism doesn't have an age. Unfortunately, elderly are being attacked, but it could be any of us. And now I think I'm a little more on edge. And I think that's a good thing. I don't know. Let's just say you're more aware. Yeah, more aware. I don't feel yeah. like I'm freaking out everywhere I go. I'm definitely more scared for my parents because I forget that they're in their mid-60s, and they're not everyone else's parents' ages. They're old enough to be grandparents, so they're not. And my mom and dad joke about, like, oh, we're going to be fine. I'm like, yeah, but you're literally one of the target age groups, or at least statistically, right? Uh, despite what I just said. It's just, like, my mom goes out all the time with her mom to go grocery shopping, to do very basic things. And those are the moments where the news has reported Asians get attacked. And I just think about... My mom's not careless, but she doesn't think about this stuff. You know, she's just going to go about her day. And I'm just wondering, what if there's just a, she comes home late already, and I never know where she is. So what if there's just a day that she doesn't come home? And I don't know. To follow up the statistics part that you brought up, Avery, I stumbled upon an article from NBC News uh, that was reported on March 16th. So about two weeks from this recording of this podcast, article writer Kimmy Yam wrote an, an article about the recent hate crimes and the statistics behind it. And they've noticed that in the past year, since March of 2020, so beginning at the pandemic, when it initially started, 
reported incidents was roughly 3,800. Now that's reported that actually got through. So there may be tens of thousands of incidents that may have not even been reported. But out of the 3,800 that were reported to police authorities, she states that a roughly 68% of those reports were hate against Asian American women. And 29% was against Asian American men and other is for other identified sexes. Also, a professor who studies Asian American studies at the University of San Francisco State, his name is Russell Jung, he also believes that biggest reason why Asian Americans have been a big target, not just in this past year, but just in general, is this stereotype that Asians are very meek, very subservient. And at times, they don't look like, quote unquote, they could fight back in a sense. And so they think that they're easy targets. Like a bully in high school, if they see that a target is easy to pick on, they're going to keep on hitting until that person fights back. Now, of course, not everyone is somebody who will be stoic about it and will just allow it to happen. Some people will speak up for themselves or fight back. However, not everyone is brave enough or is willing to take that next step because of fear of it happening again and again and again. Even on top of that, out of the reported incidents of that 3,800, most of them came from verbal discrimination, which is, is big. Now, verbal discrimination can be anything. It could be racial slurs. It could just be just making fun of how they look or just screaming across from a subway or from a, from a street in the city. And it's harassment that they'll try to follow them up. And then this is when it gets worse. So out of those reported incidents, 68% is verbal harassment. And within that 68%, about a fifth of it shuns people for even being Asian American, let alone being Asian. So then it becomes argumentative and it results in potential contact with each other where it leads to physical attacks, which have been reported to be roughly 11% of reports. So the numbers may be telling us something that these are stages in harassment that continues to affect Asian American communities and most importantly, Asian American women, because as stated before in an earlier podcast episode, we talked about the dangers of women walking alone during certain times of the day. Now, not only are they in fear of just being potentially harassed for just being a woman, Asian American women now have to deal with a double standard of harassment where now they feel that they are at a very inferior position. And so, of course, we have a lot of we have a couple ladies in here based off those numbers. Do any of those numbers surprise you or do you think that they could be wrong because statistics is pretty uh, biased in terms of how me- how much is reported and how much is taken in? In my personal experience, I have not received a lot of like verbal harassment where it was very like harmful, but as an Asian American woman, I've definitely been like sexualized a lot and fetishized and been harassed in that way. So I don't know if that was also included in the statistics, but if it was, then the numbers are not surprising to me. Or I feel like there could be more. Even when Asian women are fetishized and they're looked at a certain way, there's like this image that of like the perfect submissive meek asian woman who is looking for 
you know, this like strong individual to come like pick her up or like, you know, they're not going to say no to whatever comes, you know, because then there's also that stereotype of like, you know, especially if they're international, you know, they're just going to say yes to anybody to come to the United States and stuff like that. So like, that's just stuff that like I've experienced, like, um, let's say like walking around, I've been catcalled, like walking like down the street or something. Or there's also that, that I guess like that stereotype of Asians being like bad drivers, but specifically Asian women. My mom has had to fight so many people who have come at her when she would literally do nothing wrong. They've like come out of their car and like harass us and stuff like that. I'm thankful that like it hasn't happened like recently, but those moments definitely did scar me in the past. I can't imagine like how many other Asian women have to go through that here, but I do think there is a lot. So the numbers for me, I feel like I do think there is that much, but I actually think there could be more because in like a lot of Asian cultures, let's say we we experience like this type of discrimination, right? But I feel like it's not exactly encouraged amongst us or like in our families to really speak up about it, but to just like deal with it ourselves. Or if we like make a big deal out of it, or if we start filing like cases and everything to them, it's like you're kind of showing that this is affecting you and that's a problem. You should act like you're not phased because you're just here to do your business. And like, if you show that it's getting to you, then that means you're weak. So I feel like there are a lot of cases out there that aren't being reported at all. Yeah, I agree. There is already in a woman's sense, less harassment or sexual assault things that, um, that get reported like in and of itself, let alone. Yeah. Like you said, like it, as an Asian American woman, it's very easy as an Asian American woman to downplay the things that happen to you. Like, like you said, like we're we're kind of like in this mode to not say anything or bring up any trouble, and especially if you're making like say a police report, it's very easy to think like, how am I going to report this? Someone just said something. They didn't attack me, or like they didn't maybe like they didn't touch me, or they didn't come up to me and threaten me, but they they did something that made me feel unsafe. But who, how can I report that? As an Asian or Asian American or any any BIPOC, it's really hard to go to the police and be like, this happened to me, please help me. And then a lot of cases, nothing happens. It just gets reported. They put a file. End of story. So yeah, those those numbers, I'm not surprised, but I'm definitely expecting that the numbers are way bigger than what they seem to be. But let's also talk about the the murder of the eight the eight Asian American Asian women who all worked at like salons right all gunned down by this fucking white dude which by the way his name is robert aaron long he is a son of a southern baptist lay leader from kenton georgia and he is the one who is responsible for the murder of eight people inside an atlanta spa including six of them being asian american women so from what i remember from that story is that it's two locations uh three 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 locations they're all they're all distance 30 minutes at least from each other Mm -hmm. and they're all salons all containing asian asian women and you know like majority of the of the murder happened to asian asian women how can people i'm really it makes me so mad when people say like this is not a race thing it's like yes it's race thing (laughs) How, how can you expect someone to just oh like he just so happened to visit these three salons all all separate from each other and then gun these uh gun these women down and say like oh no they just also happen to be asian women and then the police happen to say just happen to say dude had a bad day 
That makes no fucking sense. It's, you know, and they dare to say it's not a race thing. Like, fuck you. I, I don't care. Fuck you. The, cra- the crazy part about that is that, according to Atlanta police, when they questioned Long's motives for wanting to gun down these Asian-American women, he stated that he was trying to eliminate sexual temptation of Asian-American women. And to cope with that, he wanted to do that. Yeah. Okay. Bullshit. Overall, perpetuates the idea that you can you can fetishize a- Asian women, that they're only used for sex or can only be looked at as sex objects. In of itself, that's that's what it perpetuates. But this fucker, people have sex addictions. People are like nymphomaniacs. You don't see them gutting people down. They just deal with it or like go find help, actual help or something. It's not a fucking reason to go kill people just because you can't control your sex addiction. Just, it, it like keep I keep thinking about it and it makes me more mad. It's racist. Yeah, it, it just mm-hmm. um, that's like the definition of racism. As soon as you sort another person, you can't, racist. you can't even bring attention into that in that statement itself. I did this because of their ethnicity. <laughs> like that's that's racist. Yeah, and uh. Even one of the interviews I read about of a survivor, they said, I heard him say, I'm here to kill Asian women. Of course, he's not going to reveal that to the law enforcement when they interviewed him. But if a survivor has said that, why is that not being covered? Why is that not part of the story? Why are they even giving this dude a platform anyway? Yeah, he should just be condemned. It's it's just because he's white. I've seen a lot of stuff come up where they do a comparison of, um, what's his name? Is it Tamir Rice? Did he have the water gun? Mm-hmm. Tamir Rice, yes. Yeah, he's 12 years old. They did a news headline comparison of Tamir Rice to, what is his name, Aaron Long? Robert, Robert Long. Aaron Robert Long. Long. And same thing with Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, how did they portray Tamir Rice? He was a thug holding like a water gun. Or not even, a, a, they didn't say water gun. It didn't even say toy gun. It said replica, like model. Whereas with these people, confused man from his garage, mental health episode, or... Uh, had a bad day and just like they killed people why doesn't it just say 21 year old murderer that's all you have to do and to just add on to that same case a lot of the motives for this hate these hate crimes towards asian americans is not because of that he is one person a unique case there is not a percentage significant enough to determine that this is a reason why Asian Americans deserve this or why they're even being treated this way. And a lot of people will obviously circle around the whole idea of this pandemic starting with China. It's China's fault because our ex-president, Donald Trump, wanted to point the finger and it didn't start the hate because a lot of people think the hate started there. The hate's been happening. It only just got infuriated with the idea of COVID. Other than that, that people just find they just find a reason to hate it doesn't even have to be about this pandemic you could take the pandemic out of the equation and hate crimes are still significant the only reason why it's even being put projected onto social media is because it relates and it makes a headline and especially when you have some white dude who guns down people at spas they just think oh damn that's kind of wild but like he's white he's just probably a mentally ill racist without even the racist part they just say he's mentally ill but if it were to be like in what you said avery with the comparison with tamir rice you can get you could put anybody in that category it could be black it could be hispanic 
be anybody who's just considered stereotypically under under society and that they could just be perpetuated in any way possible if you take a black or a white guy in a gun in a shooting the black guy will just be seen as like this thug who just like that's what they're that's what they do you know we got to stop them and then when it comes to white people gunning down their own people or minorities they're just like he just happened to forget his medication that day the it's the idea that with anybody but white people the tendency to violence is so innate that whenever it does happen it's like all they can do is like see what did i tell you but then when it does happen to a white person like you know it he's they try to justify it so much if it's like mm-hmm. if it's someone in in like high school they're like or college they're like oh i never knew he could be so capable of like this violent act he seemed like such a good person he was he was an athlete he had straight A's or whatever or he was just quiet and always like a good kid but then as soon as it happens to anybody but a but a white guy they find every justification that as to why they did it or that it was obvious that they were going to do it another thing i wanted to bring up is in general when it comes to this anti-hate just a question for you guys because realistically the headline of robert aaron long was the tipping point and some may even say this is the same tipping point as what happened last may when george floyd took a knee to the throat and that was the tipping point but do people have the same intentions to make this a movement that's significant not just for the moment because at any given point in time it can happen again and are people going to take what's happened in recent news not just in asian american communities but people in general in society when we put a hashtag on something people are probably going to care about it in the moment but in the long term some may even see it as just a trend and that word trend comes off the tip of the tongue in a very wrong manner to a lot of people especially to those that are affected by these events when it came down to george floyd black lives matter is a movement that's not just a trend it is something that is an ongoing fight and it's a fight for social justice within black communities and of course people try to refute this movement because they wanted to assume that blm disregards all other communities and that's not true same thing is happening to the asian american community right now at this very moment because it's relevant in media news that asians are trying to stop the hate against themselves they don't they want to stop the anti-asian hate and already as patterns may come across some people may think of this movement as something that disregards everybody else and again not saying it's true because it's not but history repeats itself when something happens that becomes viral quote unquote and it becomes something that needs to be now more talked about than ever now that it has the spotlight how people are going to react to it naturally if they're not asian american is okay so what if i'm a white person and i go to the store and someone just calls me a a racial slur if you can call it that against white people doesn't the anti-hate for us people count too that that's going to be a counter argument as fallacy as an argument it can be people are going to try and push that envelope because they think that this is now another trend and that who cares we we we've been knowing 
why 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 Asians? You know, what about the blacks last year? What happened to them? And then they're going to try and make this, I guess, a division between groups, not more of a unification as more people are trying to unify each other, disregarding what you are in your background. You could be black, you could be Mexican, you can be Middle Eastern, you could be whatever part of the country or whatever part of the world. If you find the hate against Asians wrong, it's going to want you to help support them. So that way it becomes more of a unified thing. Just because we're trying to stop Asian hate doesn't mean we're not trying to stop every other community's hate. The same way Black Lives Matter happened, we're not saying Black Lives Matter because only Black Lives Matter. We're saying Black Lives Matter because right now they need the support to be able to be unified as a a whole in this world. Because hate is everywhere, unfortunately. But in order to reduce that and be more comfortable in these different communities, we need to help those that are already falling off the tipping point. In relation to that, how do you think you guys are going to feel? how you feel people are going to react, maybe in your local hometown, maybe even just where your friends are at right now, but more importantly, affecting you. Because I know you guys are definitely going to probably see a change in character, maybe for the good or for the, or for the bad. I was wondering if you guys could elaborate on it, whether you care about it, whether you don't. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the reality mm-hmm. of hashtag stop AAPI hate. It's a trend that Part of me have never has never thought was gonna become a trend, and unfortunately, that's under the circumstances that it it is, it is a trend. And part of me is really glad that I can see people who are white and of other minority groups. I mean, minorities not towards not not white people. Um, they're using platforms that they have. Say streamers will not only use the the hashtag to get people to come but also use their platform to like donate to the API like organization or other things to help stop actually stop or provide support for those who have experienced API hate to see to see white people do it is very surprising and I pleasantly surprised it also on the flip side breaks my heart when other minority groups aren't showing kind of the same thing not not that like support like has to be a two-way street in a general sense care for someone else is unconditional and like you don't expect something back because if you truly care about someone you're giving part of yourself to them without expecting something back and that's good but like part of me really wishes that people that i saw who were so gung-ho about other like supporting other other movements i see them be so silent and it makes me feel weird i don't think like people really see the reality behind the hashtag trend that it's not just something that you add to like your twitter or your ig bio so that you get more traction or you can at least front that like you're supporting there's there's a whole reason why this is this is happening same thing with like the reinsurgence of hashtag blm there's a whole reason and i don't think anybody really or anybody who like uses the front realizes hey man there are people dying and people are getting hurt people are losing family members and friends because of all this like can you think about it more at least i know that not everybody donate to an organization like to help these kind of movements but if you're gonna use like that hashtag at least like i don't know provide resources or 
like share out the information with everybody so that people who can't who have the ability to like donate can i also think that like people who use the hashtag and just like tweet it out or put it in their bio like they don't have a real plan behind the things they say that they're gonna do people are so like oh yeah i want to help i like i understand people are, people are talking about it right and there's no action or plan behind what they're saying it's very surface level and it makes me feel really weird I definitely feel the same as you, Aya. Like, when I saw everything that was happening in the news, and then when the hashtag was created, it was crazy because, like, I saw a lot of my friends, especially, like, a lot of my non-Asian friends, they would just be, like, posting the hashtag everywhere, posting all these links and everything. And for some reason, I don't know why, but, like, there wasn't as much of just, like, this urgency for me to keep like spreading out the news and like you know expressing my anger on social media and just like trying to like release all of this like you know this pent up like frustrations but my first instinct was just to like reach out to my family make sure that they're safe I'm just being scared for myself I was still like trying to like mentally process everything and like take it all in and I remember I was like talking to some of like my other like Asian friends and like hearing other conversations that they had and they were saying like how there was like a part of them that was like they didn't want to make a big deal of it like on their platform because in a way they they're scared that what was going to happen was going to be like what everyone is doing like with BLM where it was like (laughs) if you don't like post a fucking black square on your Instagram that means you don't stand for the movement and it's like yo like that's not what the fuck this is about like and especially with like all the information nowadays and like everything on the internet I'm like there's this constant pressure on everybody to be like this intense like SJW to where like if you're not doing something all of a sudden like you're doing something wrong you know sometimes like we can't all do that sometimes we just work with what we have it is really really nice to see like especially some of like my non-Asian friends like stand up for us and like support us and like be our allies but I do remember I've had like a couple of friends like even like some white friends who have like messaged me or like called me and they're like hey you know with everything going on like are you doing okay (laughs) there was like a part of me where I was like I can't imagine like how many like people in the black community they had to have so many people like hit them up during like this past summer just like oh how are you doing like what's going on and I was like now that like we're on the other end of it I was like okay this feels like really weird you know like it, like it's weird it's that obviously... it took like mm-hmm. this for them to be like how are you doing I, you know like, I kind of understand what you're going through how can I help yeah. it's like you could have you yeah. couldn't have asked that like years ago or whatever exactly or, or when they when they ask like how can I help like I never know what to say so like I always just tell them just like just be a good fucking person that's literally it you know like there isn't any special like yes you can donate if you have the means if you want to you know but like not everyone has those means like you can spread whatever news that's great but at the end of the day like news is everywhere if people want to learn they're gonna go out and if they really want to and sometimes what is the most meaningful if anything is just like just be an open ear to anybody if anybody is experiencing anything be that person that they can lean on to like for security or safety and like sometimes that's just all like we need 
you know so it definitely was weird to like hear to be on the other end of that and then like when I hearing that I don't know why but it just made me feel more into like the victim mindset of like oh now people are coming to me and like they want to like take care of me and want to make sure I'm safe and like it's great but there's also a part of me where it's just like what do I do you know it's like man this really does make me feel like really helpless like now what do I do you know I think like I I think like you brought it up too where it was like it kind of sucks with the whole like stop Asian hate now people are using this to turn communities of color against each other again and that that just pisses me the fuck off and like I remember one of the most like devastating things was when uh in the news when they were talking about stop Asian hate one of like the first like reactions that my parents had like they were kind of joking about it I think I'm not sure but then they're like they're like oh watch now it's gonna be a war between like which matters live more Asians or blacks and I was like it's just like bringing back the 92 riots all over again exactly and it's like bro we're on the same fucking side it's like uh, I don't know I think like there is a way to like have them work alongside each other like we're literally making the same reasoning for why we're standing up and why we're we're protesting because our community needs the help right now it's not saying that other communities don't go through their own shit because they do but we have like there are so many like asians that are going out and supporting these people and they're always attending their protests but this is our time and historically we haven't really spoken up a lot so like this is a big step for us so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like we really are like having each other's backs but starting off the numbers are going to be small and it may not have as big as an impact as blm and i'm also scared that there is that chance that blm is just going to start like you know covering stop asian hate like i'm really scared for that but i'm hoping that there is a way that they can like work alongside each other it's also really sad to think that our own fucking people will perpetuate that idea. What is it? That interview with that Asian woman who Daniel Day Kim was also said like was as a guest interviewer for that, right? I don't remember what it was. It was like when he was a, he, when he did his little speech thing. Yeah, to... um, the Asian woman, the interviewer, had was perpetuating the idea, um, and was gathering people who would agree with her that. Because like the the first few attacks on the um on the elderly were of African American community that she was perpetuating the idea that like it's it's all their fault basically and it took him was the only one who like tried to correct her like no one it's like really sad that we have to reiterate that like just because the ha- the hate crimes that have happened so the perpetuators had just so happened to be African American or black that doesn't that doesn't find the whole black community at all it's not like it's it's not a race war like they're not coming after us they just some of them just so happen to be that and just you know just how some so happen to be white it's just the fact that like we're taking harassment second thing that's really sad is that our own people are like perpetuating this basically race war and it's 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 not what we're trying to do we're trying to unify because we're all going through this we're going through similar struggle struggles right now that we're being harassed or being targeted were being killed were all of this just as we had supported other minority like communities 
we also ask that you guys, like, you all help us. Because we're, we're living here in America, and we, like, we need, we need help. We all need to help each other. And also not to say that BIPOC all go to the same struggles equally. That's the reason why we have BIPOC, because we have our own category, categorization of suffering. But as sort of, like, right now, please help us. To, to respond to that, Aya, when you talk about how it's, like, this narrative that that specific Asian woman was trying to perpetuate, it's also, like, recorded media of a couple incidents that people are going to try to universally describe why so. Yes, there has been evidence of it on footage, and unfortunately, for some reason... A lot of it circles around the African-American community because a lot of these attacks recorded, posted on social media show that. I mean, it's the same thing when it came to, like, the riots or the so quote-unquote riots of last year when it came to BLM. There's media trying to portray that white people are starting the riots. And then there's media saying that black people are starting the riots. And then they're saying police are trying to start the riots. So you can flip the script however many times you'd like. It's just the reality of it that it's not just black people attacking Asian-American people. The same way that it's realistically not just white people attacking black people, but it just so happens that media coverages will take a biased standpoint. will flip that narrative to be something that we all need to universally learn. And it could be completely wrong. And it's just a matter of, oh, but it's on camera. Exactly. A couple incidents were on camera. But what about the tens of thousands that weren't? And the tens of thousands of voices that didn't speak up or didn't know how to speak up because it's just something that is unfathomable on their end. Like how Aya was saying earlier, how do I report to the police that I was just verbally assaulted? How will they even react? Will they even take my case seriously? And it all just... It, it's, it's, it's a repeating, never-ending cycle of how modern-day media is very powerful to a group of people that choose not to educate, but they just choose to believe what is being told on the news because they think the news is 100% certified facts, when a lot of it is based around biased evidence. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, this is going to blow over, just like BLM. and. When someone dies again, it'll come back up. There's just a disproportionate amount of attention to the Asian community, but then within it itself. Can we even call this AAPI hate? Filipinos are 7.9% of those 3,800 reported incidents, and Chinese are 42.2%. Filipinos aren't even necessarily Pacific Islander or the I part. I don't see anyone messing with Samoans. I mean, I know you don't want to mess with Samoan, but... <laughs> You know, like, they're not a part of this. Same with the COVID vaccine or getting COVID, right? Multi-generational households who don't have access to proper health care or the vaccine. Who are they? Samoans, Pacific Islanders, yeah. uh, African Americans, Latino communities, all the even more disenfranchised folks that are part of BIPOC. Not to create or drive a wedge into it, but it contributes to this race war there's a systemic issue that you have to somehow undo because like you mentioned the 92 riots anti-asian sentiment 
is American culture. Vietnam War, Philippine-American War, Korean War, Chinese Exclusion Act, Japanese internment camps, everything. 9-11, it's everywhere. It's been there. Like Bryn was saying, for Asians to speak out on that history shows that we're not being the model minority. We're not putting our heads down and moving forward. We're showing weakness because we're speaking out, which is so backwards. This new mindset that we all have is speaking out is empowering ourselves. But majority of Asians, like our older generation stuff, they don't believe that because we're here to do our business. We came here to build a better life. We came here to focus on our children. And this whole blowing over thing, like I remember, shout out to Genius Brain because they talked about some of their episode, but I remember 9-11 happening. I don't remember when Tamir Rice died or Elijah McCain or Breonna Taylor or Oscar Grant, all of them. I know when it happened, right? But how many, um, even these recent Asian hate crimes, there are so many of them. And media is everywhere. We have access to everything. But just from 9-11 to 2021, why can I remember what happened that day? But I can barely remember the rest of these string of events. Even school shootings, right? Where there's so much happening, so much death. And I think that's part of why we're desensitized to it. That's not a good thing. But how do we get more people to care about the value of a human life? Not it being about race anymore. Because why you're saying about it earlier, as we're talking about the Asian or African community, someone can easily come in and be like, well, what about the kids in cages? No one's talking about them right now. No one's talking about how Trump's wall is still there. I graded an essay earlier today where um, one of my Latino students wrote about Alex Nieto. I think that's how you say his name. 2014, he's a club security guard in San Francisco, has a taser, he's walking around, and someone reported to the police, there's a man with a gun. Officers got there, thought the light was a, you know, a scope thingy, and they shot him, they killed him. And a student, an 11th grader, wrote about that, something in 2014. I'm like, wow, I'm glad that someone educated you on that, that they're bringing that relevance to you. So I guess on a hopeful note, it's nice to know that kids that are like a decade younger than us are still learning about these things. We might be desensitized to everything that's happened. They're still learning about these things, learning about empathy, how to understand the situation, even though they might not have been born and think about moving forward. How can we be more humanizing? How can we make this less about race and undo these systemic things that are embedded in our laws and our livelihood and just learn to be good people treat each other as humans not you're less than me because you're other you know that's actually funny you bring up alex nieto because now it's bringing back the very beginning of when we talked about how the media portrays different people and what their motives were i think with alex nieto they said that he was a troubling latino kid who had mental health issues i actually kind of remember this shit they said that the reason here's here's the sad part about that whole case all four cops that shot the kid ended up being free to go nothing happened to them they were good evidence was controversial apparently because the fucking taser itself was actually the biggest issue like oh there's a trigger on it meaning it's a loaded weapon you can't tell me the kid didn't have intentions to do that to somebody 
And, you know, not a, it's not the couple's fault that they pointed it out. I mean, it was kind of an evening time-ish time of the day. So, yeah, it's like almost nighttime. You're outside. You see some kid holding a taser. Of course, you're going to think, well, what the fuck is he going to do with that? But it's another thing to blame the fact that he had the taser as self-defense, potentially, but with no evidence showing self-defense. And they're just going to say, oh, yeah, he had he probably had intentions to, you know, hurt somebody with that today because his parents just admitted that he has mental health issues and he was not on medication. So therefore, he was already psycho, which means he was going to so do something. That, so what does that say about women who carry around self-defense weapons? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are, are we just supposed to be like if we if we get called out for having a self-defense weapon, be it a taser or like some people have like sharp weapons or whatever it's like we're not intending to use it but in the case that something that someone comes at me to basically hurt me i'm gonna use it that doesn't mean like Mm -hmm. i go place intentionally gonna like i'm gonna whip it out for no fucking reason there's a reason behind it but the reason is self-defense the same as uh, alex nieto there's no oh god what how is that so hard (laughs) to believe where is the disconnect in that I mean, it's the same thing with the what. It's the same thing with Robert Long killing the Asian American woman at the spa. They were just like, well, you know, the guy had a rough life, so it's okay. Sometimes you just gotta let some steam off, and unfortunately, killing steam people is the way to get it. Yeah, <laughs> it was that. And but then in the case of Alex Nieto, it was like, yeah, he's he's an innocent child, but not when he carries a taser with the trigger pulled. Unfortunately, the taser's clock was attached to the taser and it showed that it was used but there was no evidence that it was used actually on somebody because obviously you could just pull a taser out and just fucking press the trigger and be like hey look what i got you just yeah. press it or even by accident or yeah. something yeah or you press it by accident but they're just like yeah there's evidence that he used it we don't know why he used it but he used it so he obviously had intentions to do something with it and i was like so you're telling me if I were to have a gun on me in my on my waist and you just see me grab the grip of it just to feel it, not necessarily trying to pull it out, like you see me just making sure I have it on me, you're going to think that's just my way of saying I'm about to pull it out and fucking pop somebody? It's the same sentiment as George Floyd when he died. Mm-hmm. Everyone was justifying it's like, oh, well, he had a past criminal record. He was a drug user. All of that was way before he died. Like, at least I don't remember how long. See, that's how that's how sad it is. Like, I don't remember these things happening, just like how Avery said. All I remember is that, unfortunately, it was my mom who shares this kind of sentiment where I was like, hmm. well, he mm-hmm. had a criminal record. It was really stupid to hear, like, the way she was trying to almost justify that happening to him is like no just because he had a past criminal record which he wasn't enacting at that time doesn't mean he deserved to die same thing for these asian women just because this dude had a sex addiction and tried to point it out towards asian women doesn't mean they deserve to die it's not like they were giving happy endings in the in like in the fucking salon which nobody fucking does that makes no fucking sense that's not what's happening and even if it were to happen Let's say, like, they were kind of, like, running an underground kind of, like, sex shop or whatever. Still doesn't justify that they died. I innocently thought that law and, like, law enforcement exists because we try to get there rationally. Try to, like, give people judgment rationally. I thought that's the reason why we have, like, fucking courts and everything. The whole reason 
in in essence that these things happen or these things exist is that we can give people re- like rightful judgment based on what has happened and the evidence provided in a in a lawful way this hasn't been happening in like years decades what so what's the fuck the fucking point of like law and law enforcement what's the fucking point of police what's the point of reporting anything i feel like now it's like it's coming to like fruition that we all have to just defend for ourselves because nobody's really gonna take care of us and it's it's really saddening to think that like we live in a time and in a country where we can't even depend on the people that hold the most power i thought we gave power to them because they're supposed to help us be better for us but none of that has ever showed ever yeah there's just like to be off topic but someone shared this screen cap from a dialogue of a 1997 final fantasy tactics game and the character said penalty for a crime is a fine then the law only exists for the lower class and i feel like that heavily just relates to what i just said no they're policing other otherness right they're policing everybody else and yeah i don't know how we do that i mean um what i'm saying how we undo all of this because it's it's a lot like i mentioned earlier it's embedded in everything in our laws there's there's laws that separate us we have to undo that language it was in genius brain that they're mentioning as well where it's not as black and white as like say if we get rid of guns you will not have any deaths by guns it's not necessarily the case because they pointed out that and maybe i and Brittany can attest to this because i don't know the history of the la riots but Koreans were able to defend themselves because of the Second Amendment. They were able to bear arms and be like, we got to fend for our own. We've all been in wars. We know how to hold a gun. We know how to protect ourselves. And in that kind of case, yeah, though we want to get rid of guns because we want to stop children like Kyle Rittenhouse or Robert Long, it also did help people historically. And not to be cliche in a way, but in a sense, don't like this phrase that much in this context. Knowing that history helps us better envision a different kind of tomorrow to build, you know, moving that needle to be less anti-racist and be more humanizing. How do we move into that direction? And what I was saying, like, how do we, how do we make sure that the people that we voted into power, the law enforcement, they're actually serving us? Because I feel like we're just in a society where it's just like, damn, y'all really don't serve us. You aren't doing anything for us. You just got us another stimmy check. Biden, you said you're going to do more. Like Mario said it before in the episode, you got to hold them accountable. How do we do that? It's when we think about this, it's like I feel so powerless. I do want to say, like, it also has to do right now with the lack of what we're doing, you know, with the whole hashtag and everything. People are just spreading the hashtag. It's, it's just social media right now. I, I know. Yeah. There are people who have, like, made signs and, like, have sat in places and been like, yeah, stop Asian hate. But has it gotten to a, it hasn't gotten to a point where it's, it feels like a movement. Yeah. With, with BLM, when it really peaked last year, there were, like, city, cities everywhere all around the world, uh, world, um. Yeah, all around the world. Yeah, yeah, all around the world. Yeah, right all around the world. world. Doing riot, not riots, um, protests, like, walk, like, giant, like, walks around the like their cities and everything people were it was covered by media everywhere where everybody was fighting f- to have like a voice 
we're not doing that right now. No. I'm not saying like it's a competition of who does more. It, it's just it's a matter of like how do we get the people in power or people who have influence to hear us. And I understand that like the Biden has already said like like has mentioned like not really given the speech or anything or told media specifically this, but he did mention at least to stop the hate and the harassment and the assault on Asian Americans. But that's really it. It's not like there's much change just because he said something. And I feel like that is in correlation with our community not doing much more than just social media. I really do want to see like people storming the streets in a peaceful way. Let's put that up. Peaceful way. <laughs> Run it back again. Peaceful way. We want to be heard. And we, in that sense, we have to be the ones to put our voices out there. And we have to be out there out in the streets saying like what needs to be done. I'm not saying that. Therefore, no. nothing's happening. Luckily, um, I know San Francisco has been just starting to become a little active in that term. Like, especially when you go down Japantown specifically, there are a lot of groups. They may be different groups in different parts of Japantown that are all holding up signs, just standing in solidarity with each other, just with the hashtags written on it and the people's names that were affected because a lot of the assaults in San Francisco are very relevant to at least people that live in the Bay Area. So that local mm -hmm. news is becoming a little bit of an act, but I do see that we're talking about Robert Long and Atlanta. This is a whole different state. This is the other side of the country. This is like the sparking point. You would think that they would be the ones to have a community not necessarily exclu excluding all but asian american to have this type of uh, solidarity walk or a peaceful protest but it came down to the local areas that have experienced or have seen footage of it happening in their own hometown for them to make somewhat of a change at least in their little local area but what about the rest of the states. I mean, there's more than just Atlanta and California where this is happening. Chicago's had incidents. Yeah, my mm -hmm. like whole thing is that there there are so many states here in this country that have, let's say, Chinatown. A lot of states have a Chinatown. Right. Like yeah, in in San Francisco they have Japan Town. Oh. Here in Long Beach they have Cambodia Town. There's so many different states that have like a specific area full of specific Asian races. I I would think that like these cities which a lot of people visit that are not Asian or non-specific Asians like that, I would hope that, like, you're supporting, like, these these towns or these cities because you visit there a lot. Because it's, it's like, it's nice, it's aesthetic, you get good food there, you, you go there. I would assume you should support those people <laughs> because yeah. they're giving you something. Yeah. They're giving you great food. They're giving you, like... Culture. So, they're giving you culture. They're giving you something to culture. Instagram. <laughs> something to to uh, to blog about all that stuff like if you're gonna if you're gonna rep it like that if you're gonna be about us for real you better be, be like be about us for real it's so dumb that like i can see that people aren't like that they're just like eh, like i don't want to get involved or whatever it's like fuck you like st then stop coming to these places then and like it goes back to saying it's just like mm -hmm. if you want to embrace our culture you can't just come over embrace our culture and not acknowledge the people behind it, yeah. you know? And, like, I don't want to be that person to be like, oh, like, you're, like, stealing our culture. But also, like, you're repping it yeah. a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So what the fuck? And like, you, you guys kind of brought it up, but I also do want to say for anyone who's in San Francisco or in the Bay Area, please support Japantown. Because yeah. right now it is all like the, what? how do you say it? Like all the franchises the, there. The city, the city is just not wanting to financially continue supporting that section exactly. of the city. And because of the pandemic, a lot of these small businesses just don't got enough money to even afford the rent or even just the fees to even have their business running in that specific building. And so the fact that the city is like not trying to help and the fact that these small businesses aren't getting the money that they're used to getting pre-pandemic, a lot of them are just forced to shut down. And unfortunately, Japantown has a lot of small businesses. And so a lot of those motherfuckers have to close up shop and go somewhere else because there's no support for their at all and japantown is slowly dying and it's really sad because you know there's people in san francisco specifically in that area that want to keep japantown because it's like it's like a very iconic section of the city Mm -hmm. you know people when Mm -hmm. you go to that part people don't say let's go to post street people don't say that people say let's go to japantown Mm -hmm. all right because yeah that whole fucking like block just that whole shopping center surrounded by all all the areas around it think about cherry blossom festival thinking about oh. like you know you, dude Ugh. the the moment i knew like all of this harassment was going to start hitting home was when some some person cut down all of the cherry they blossom cut down trees. the trees mm-hmm. and i was just like why literally why yeah yeah town in san francisco is the only japan town in the area yeah <laughs> there's probably another one somewhere else you know just not in the bay area but pre-pandemic like Mario said, it was already dying, unfortunately. The first yeah. Cherry Blossom Festival that I attended, there was a part that they were holding a museum in one of the buildings because that building was closing. They couldn't afford to stay there. And so they tried to host the museum in there to get funds into it to keep it in the Japantown, not call it a cult, but the, you know, the group, right? Because it's, it's their land. Just like any of these towns that represent a culture, it was created because there's a big conglomerate of that ethnicity there. And Japantown itself in San Francisco holds history. I, I can't speak on it because I don't know the history, but I know there's some really good that came out of it in the sense of not just like how there's multiple Chinatowns everywhere, um, but that it gave the population of Japanese people in San Francisco a place to call home. The fact that there's real cherry blossoms there, you can't just get that from anywhere. It's from Japan. The Japanese consulate, it's there. That's the other thing about big cities like San Francisco or LA. There are consulates there to establish the relations with that culture, to be celebrated. On the other end of stop AAPI hate, there are people who are saying, well, we need to celebrate AAPI culture. Uh, like you're all saying, that the trade-off, right? I think there was a tweet that I saw the other day that was like, Black creators should just stop creating stuff so white people can just not steal it. Like <laughs> we same thing with Asian food. We we'll just stop cooking for you. Not to not to be racist in Dude. that sense. But like But like really gonna, though. Yeah. If you're not gonna <laughs> appreciate the things that we do, you cannot go out and just be like, yeah, Taco Tuesday or like like Cinco de Mayo because that's a Or go to get thing. Cr- like or, Korean barbecue in Koreatown, like Yeah. Or like yeah. you know, white people celebrate all the stuff that we cherish and have turned it into their vacation time or holiday time 
to get some weekend off. But then you go out and spread all this hate. You cannot claim these little things like going out on a Tuesday night to get tacos with your buddies and then hate on the Hispanic community or or say like on, like build the wall or whatever. Yeah. Or on mm-hmm. holidays for Christmas or Thanksgiving when nobody's open and you only order Chinese takeout, you cannot attack them if you are ordering Chinese takeout. Yeah. Mhm. You can't uh, like, like pick I, and choose when you want to support us. Like, yeah. why are you only going to support us when we're supporting you? Like, that's I, just, bro, just see us as fucking people. Just yeah. see us as fucking people, not as like a transaction. I think that's just what pisses me off the most. It's like, oh, why does like specifically just decency for people shouldn't have to be mm-hmm. so conditional? Just, just care on the, for people. On yeah, the, on the Chinese food thing, it's so it baffles me. They, they like people will go there willingly and eat the food or like order eat the food or whatever like it's all of their own volition and they'll sit there shit on the food shit on the waiter shit on the whole like restaurant and it's like oh let me give it like one star and yelp it's like you chose did you not come in here (laughs) yeah what are you expecting are you expecting like italian food to just come out onto your plate like Uh, dumb shit like like you came here for like chinese food or whatever it's like it makes Mm -hmm. no fucking fun history fact about Japantown. So originally in San Francisco, before the 1906 earthquake, there was two Japantowns. Not necessarily big ones, but there existed one outside of Chinatown, and there also existed one in the Soma. Now, unfortunately, they got destroyed because of the earthquake, and so not not much of it was left behind. However, the reason why Japantown that we know and love now was in that location was because, as if you know, the great migration of Japanese Americans, a lot of them tried to come down to California, specifically you San Francisco. You learned this in Asian American history class, Brian. Yes, yeah. I was like, this is all coming back to me. <laughs> they all came down specifically San Francisco because it was an industrial area to find work. Now, luckily, while they were habitate, habitating, keeping habitat that area of San Francisco, around 1960s-ish, they started beginning the beginnings of that Japantown that we all know and love. And then it became officially established in 1976 as they have now found a new home and renewal in the Fillmore District. And the fun thing about those cherry blossom trees, this is really sad. I can't believe I just found this out. But those cherry blossom trees are, were planted in 94. Those blossom trees oh that came God. from Osaka, Japan. Yeah, when you were born. Yeah, they're as old as you. The cherry blossoms are as old as Avery, and unfortunately, those are authentic cherry blossom trees that came straight from Japan. I might cry. Actually, that's actually really sad. So the fact that these trees were only able to live life for twenty six years until just a couple months ago, it's like you you think about it. Japantown was already destroyed. The Japantown that was is there now. That is now becoming gone forever just found its home there that japan town is barely 40 45 years old oh, that makes sense why cherry blossom festival is like celebrating 40 something years yeah yeah because it's only been around for 45 years and you know they thought that that was going to be a permanent location but history has repeated itself between 1994 and 2020 where the city was already kind of letting them have do whatever they like to an extent but finances, of course, leading up to last year, they were already kind of just cutting, cutting it off. 
they were like, you know what? It's cool and all that you guys have this stuff going on, but we just can't afford to keep you guys there. So do what you will. But when the time comes, this place is not going to have the financial support from the city to, to continue existing. And so when that whole incident from January that just happened, where there was some people that decided, yeah, we're just going to cut down all the trees that were planted there. You just think to yourself, like, damn. That's some definitely people, a hate, hate crime. That, that's definitely a hate crime. Mm-hmm. And that lead, that all it all relates. Like, people are finding out Japantown's dying, and there's people in San Francisco that are probably celebrating that, finally, they get to fucking leave my city. And then they're just like, let's make it happen for real, for real. And then they just go out there and just completely destroy places down. They took down cherry blossoms that literally came from overseas just so they can get their point across that we can finally get rid of them. Now we're going to be finally, we're going to be okay. You know, it makes me really wonder mm-hmm. about Soma because Soma became Soma Filipinas. And like that's over time. If that's what happened to Japantown, why wouldn't that happen? to a place that just newly got renamed Soma Filipinas. And fought really hard for that. I don't know. It, it just trying to put myself in the shoes of the history that you all just described. Spent a lot of time doing veteranos parades and just outreach to make South of Market a place for Filipinos because there's a highly dense population of them in that part of San Francisco, the Bayview and all that. Um, but then that's gonna that's just what's gonna happen down the line. That's messed up. Like, why not I mean, no offense to Chinatown, but you know, if that's happening in Japantown in San Francisco, why is that not happening in Chinatown? I guess. Not to not to make it this race war, but if you drive everybody out, then what's left? Salesforce? <laughs> it, same it, thing with um with career in LA. Like Yeah. I mean it's such a condensed space. And they fought so hard to have at least a little bit of space. Forget the history of Koreatown right now. So sad I forget it right now. But I know it expanded because arguments and like fights and stuff like that. And it just so happened to fall into place that what it is now is Koreatown. And I can't imagine that if this is how things are progressing, the worst that can happen is that that's gone too. And it's so sad because that's, that's literally the largest population of Koreans outside of Korea. It scares me for them, and I. But like, I know that they can handle themselves. I, I will still support them in whatever I can. But like, not to, not to make this weird, but I will never like fuck with a Korean in Koreatown ever. I because I know they can fight. They will fuck my shit mm-hmm. up. I know that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no fucking doubt. Like, I will get my ass beat there if I try something. Let alone like if someone to like someone to come in and like perform like a hate crime there. Your ass will get white, and not in the good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like all, all this is like really sad. I don't know. I'm scared. And dude, to be on, and you know what's really sad too about those cherry blossoms? There's a reason why they brought cherry blossoms from Japan, and it was because Emperor Akito was in San Francisco. That was the whole reason they planted the trees. He came to that part of Japantown. Because it was his way of thanking Japanese Americans for keeping Japan alive, away from home. Yeah. And it's like, Damn, that's... fuck. Yeah, and this, the saddest part is Akito is still alive. He's still living. And for him to probably find out the news about that stuff, 
That's going to hit pretty hard because he was a Japanese emperor for 30 years. He actually ended his reign just two years ago. Oh, that's so, changed Yeah, that's when they changed eras. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the end of the era for him is also the end of the era for Japantown outside of Japan's borders. That's I think um, something that just popped in my head while I was talking about K-Town. It's already happened to the mission. The mission still has its vibrant culture, if you look for it, of Latinx community or the Hispanic community. It's there, but it's being gentrified. It's disappearing. I attended this one personal uh, workshop. I was at a conference at SF State, and I attended this one particular seminar. I think it was for a class. I just had to attend another one. But they talked about the intersection. And the person leading the seminar is someone of the LGBTQ community and Latinx. And they're pointing out the intersection between those two communities and how more or less the privileged side of the LGBTQ community is gentrifying the mission. Because all of the people of Hispanic descent or Latinx, I don't know the proper term, um, but where are they living now? Just like everybody else in the Bayview. On that side, by the docks, where all African-Americans are, Latinos, Samoans, Pacific Islanders, Filipinos, everyone's being pushed. And now, past the new Warrior Stadium, the Chase Center, right? The Chase yep. Center is even taking up space. So what part of the mission is still even the mission? It's that the, this disappearance of Japantown that we're talking about, of it potentially happening, it's happening in San Francisco already. I've mm -hmm. seen, I've visited an area where I saw where it was an empty lot. It used to be homes next to a Safeway. Then it turned into an empty lot. And now there's a high-rise there that none of us can afford. Huh. The people who were, it was supposed to be affordable housing. And now it's a, a new high-rise for um, techies. As someone of the LGBTQ community, I can wholeheartedly say, sorry if this offends anybody, it's white gay males. That's it. That it's, they're the problem. Mm -hmm. Not in the problem that they're gay. Because, of course, that's not, that's not the reason because they're white and they're white males they're men white men <laughs> and they're as you know as you're saying like they're they're making it basically inhabitable for everyone else for the reason why the mission exists and you know it it may seem weird to like say that to like say like it's a white gay male but it is because there's there's a sense of privilege quick example how how many movies are there in terms of like the lgbt community how many is the lead character a white gay male most if not all of them all of our like experiences and our struggles are being represented by by a white man and none of them are being held like are not taking kind of responsibility or knowing acknowledging that fact they're just like oh i'm being seen i'm being heard like there's a movie about me like there's always going to be a movie about you because you're a white man and there's always going to be a space for you because you're a white man there's there's a neighborhood there's a city there's a state everywhere because you are a white man where is all of that going to be held for the rest of us? I'm a bisexual Asian American woman. Where's my space? And I understand, like, I have some privileges because of where I was born into or, like, financial situations with my family and stuff. But I still go through the struggles. And I'm still, like, outside of, like, these areas, which is, like, Long Beach or whatever, like, in fucking, what, Mississippi or wherever the white places. I'm not accepted there. White people are always going to be accepted there. 
can can they leave like a little space for us like the mission or places like this in light of these things since we've already touched on how this is a trend that people are now more aware of the incidents occurring with anti-Asian hate. And of course, the media is going to always stir the pot in some fashion in order to get the wrong attention in order to make a story. I know you guys probably already talked about this a little bit. Just now speaking from you for a while, maybe. This is going to be a continuing thing where people are going to use this hashtag, have more awareness, and probably sudden changes of behavior such as what Bryn has described, where she's been getting people to ask her how they can help when the problem isn't necessarily helping the individual, it's helping the community. And so when you ask somebody like Avery, Aya, or Bryn, what can I do to help you guys? It's not necessarily what you can do to help us. It's what you can do to help everyone else. Because I'm not the only one being affected by it. Matter of fact, some may even believe they're not even that closely affected to it. Because some Asian Americans may hold a higher social status to where they feel like they're beyond this. So therefore, they may feel the need to not have to care as much because it's not affecting them directly or personally because of status. And status quo obviously plays a factor in society because when you're somebody who's wealthy and rich and you have everything going well for you, these little social issues and practices don't really come across something alerting. But for somebody as the common middle class, whereas a lot of us in the middle class or even in lower classes where in poverty, this is something that they're going to have to carry a heavy load on their shoulders for a while. Because not only are the good people with the good intentions now going to try and figure out a way to potentially not just spread the news or spread awareness of it, but in some odd and weird fashion, they're going to try and profit off it. That's the scary part is that, you know, we live in a society, but at the same we time, live in a society. yeah, we live <laughs> in a society and not just a society, but a capitalistic society where anything can be used as revenue. I mean, come on. We've seen it with BLM. You've seen all the shirts. You see it You've with all... pride. You see it with gay pride. You you see it all any with anything really. You you can literally just put it on a T-shirt and call that that's money right there. So there's probably going to be people that are probably having good motives for spreading this awareness in terms of clothing or in other fashions of material. But there's going to be some people that are going to probably take this as even more of an advantage on those communities to make extra cash on the side or even on the worse or even to make things worse might aggravate those people that are already anti-Asian and just give them more of a reason to like want to be more aggressive. That's the thing that BLM had to suffer with because even though BLM was just on the rise, it made the problem not just better for some, but it made it worse for others. And so the same may be coming to you guys. And of course, it's not at a national level quite yet, but if it ever does get to that point, do you guys ever feel that your life in the next couple of weeks, months, may slightly be changed in terms of how you go outside in public now? For me, I'm as a, just, you know, as a woman in general, in terms of like my physical safety, I'm I'm already doing the things that I'm thinking I need to do in order to keep myself alive. 
which is when I go out, I have some sort of self-defense on me. I, like, keep track of, like, my surroundings. I know where, like, security is. I know that when I get into my car, I have to lock it, check my back seat, check the cars around me. But even more so as a Asian-American, especially here, when you brought up earlier the Asian-American teenager who was, you know, all like, around all of our ages, they got assaulted. It's, I'm, I'm, like, the forefront of me is, like, keeping my physical safe. Like, my physical safety is, like, probably the most important to me right now. I, on the last podcast, I, the shit I had to deal with on, um, on my Twitch stream recently, that's, like, you know, verbal harassment. I, yeah. I can get over it. Because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not physically affecting me, but it, like, and not to, not to, like, undermine, like, mental or emotional like issues or whatever but like my forefront is just like how do i keep my body safe how do i keep the people around me physically safe i i think because like how my dad like ingrained to me and this is probably just him writing off like mental health or whatever he's always saying that like filipinos are are tough we can we can fight we can handle anything that comes our way so we don't need to worry about anything because that's so ingrained to me I don't really have to worry about like verbal harassment, even though that's horrible. Yeah, for it to happen is is horrible in in and of itself. But as soon as something physical happens to any to me or any of my loved ones, like I don't know what I'll do, but I know it's not going to be good. Y'all might just catch me doing some dumb shit, hmm. and I probably just won't be sorry about it. I'm just saying, like I, that's that's just me being real. Like I if I go off on the person who perpetrated like all of these things, then I'm gonna go off. I won't, like, try to bring any innocent people into it, but, like, the people who are, like, involved, you're gonna get fucked up. I, like, in some sort of way by me. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> if I'm gonna be completely honest, like, like as you're saying, like, Aya, like, as a woman, like, I've already taken precautions whenever I've, like, gone outside. I've always had something on me. I've always made sure to always like check my surroundings if I'm going out at night I always try to have someone preferably some can also like protect me walk out with me at night if I'm gonna go like catch an uber or something but I feel like I had been a little bit more cautious when like going outside to be honest when COVID first came I guess to the U.S. And then everyone was starting to like blame China and everything. I remember um, when we were in the process of like moving out of the beach house, right? And like mm-hmm. we were still trying to gain like information on like COVID and everything. And my mom, she like she's a nurse in the hospital, right? So when she uh, drove over and we were like getting ready to like pack up our stuff, I remember she was like, "All right, guys, like put on your masks and like here you go." And this is like the time when like no one was really wearing masks right and so I remember I remember I was so embarrassed and I was so mad at my mom and I was like I don't want to wear a fucking mask like I, I I feel like I just look so stupid or like or like when I put it on I was like for me it just screamed like oh I'm Asian I might have corona look at me and I hated that feeling sword. exactly yeah. and so but at the same time it was for our protection so I totally understood but it I just hated it, you know? And, like, I don't know. And, like, after that, like, I noticed, like, when I would, like, walk around, like, even in San Francisco or, like, L.A. Um, and I, I even, like, notice it, like, even outside when I'm, like, taking, like, a walk, like, outside my house or something. Like, me and my family, we have, like, have our masks on. 
if someone is like not wearing a mask, right, or they have it like on their chin, they see me or they see my family immediately up or they immediately walk the other way because they don't want to be anywhere near us. You don't even have to say anything, but you just feel it. And it's just like, what the fuck, you know? And like, you know, or the same I'm, as like mm-hmm. when black people were count the like the the times when people would like hold their purses or like exactly or, like, cro- or go on the other side of the street whenever they start approaching the vicinity of mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and like it was really bad. Like or like even in my area, you would even get like the casual just like side eye or like a really like judgmental like glance, right? And like it sucks too, cause like. There are times where, like, I was also really scared of, like, especially nowadays, if anything is going to happen to me. I have found myself doing this, and I have found myself giving this advice to friends, where I would say, like, if I'm ever going somewhere, like, with a mask, sometimes I keep my sunglasses on all the time so no one can see my eyes. It sucks, but sometimes, like, I told my friends, like, if you if you feel safer doing it, do it. Do it. Do it. Because... You, you can just feel it when you're in danger sometimes. You, you can feel it, or you can feel the eyes on you. And so it just sucks, but, like, those are just, like, the precautions that, like, I'm taking nowadays. So if anything, I can just say, like, if you feel like you need to do something to feel safer, just, just do it at this, like, especially with, like, our community. It's just, like, another day where you're able to come home. That's a victory in of itself. Yeah, it's, like, to the point, now that you bring that up, I do do that where I try to hide as many aspects of myself in order to feel safe. Where mm-hmm. if I if I know I'm alone, like if I'm doing like errands or something, I make sure that I have like the baggiest clothes. I have things that like, it, in a woman's sense, mm-hmm. hide my womanly features or hide that I am a woman. And in the same case as being an, as an Asian, I like try to hide like, like something that will come off as like being Asian I don't know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I'll wear a hat I'll wear my glasses I'll wear my mask I'll try to like this is as much as I see just in order to be safe it's sad really to like you know I don't want to put off that like Asian like Asian American men don't go through the same things because I'm sure that they have their own like experiences but being an Asian American woman man it sucks tbh (laughs) Yeah, like you, you gotta hide everything. You gotta just like, basically, just you know, be this. <laughs> Wear a snuggie. Yeah, basically. Wear a snuggie. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I think like to statistic, I don't experience a lot of racial tensions. I'm waiting for the day. Like, I just have an East Asian complexion. Like my eyes straight up. Like, I'm always mistaken as another East Asian other than Chinese or Filipino. I look Korean. Yeah, or Japanese. It's usually Korean or Japanese. I think it's because I moved home. My neighborhood's very quiet. Fremont has been known to be a quiet city. Fremont? <laughs> and uh, it's like, I think there was like some news article that even said like one of the safest cities is Fremont. Nothing really happens there. I feel like if I was in San Francisco, I'd probably experience a lot more things. To echo Bryn's story, like when COVID started, I was like, oh, I own a mask because I go to raves. So I'm gonna wear my mask. It was, it was flu. It was I... also flu season, right? So I was wearing my mask to work. I felt cool because I, I picked it because the design. And immediately, my white coworker comes up to me. Are you sick? Do you have Corona? And I'm like, I, bro, I just don't want to get sick. He's like, Oh man, I, I just, I just thought. Some students asked me about it, specifically six students. It's like, oh, this would be 
Why are you wearing a mask? Because you're sick. I don't... Might as well lick your face by that. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a pretty... You know, that sick time during school. Everyone just phlegmy teenagers. Gross. Yeah. Ugh, um, gross children. It, it just... I felt like for me, it enforced like, it's okay for me to wear a mask. Because people in Asia are doing it right now. I'm just gonna set a precedence for that dude I, I really hope that that's what we do now like it like even if we in general like, in i any know sense that we feel sick like we wear a mask i honestly would bring one with me wherever i go even after people are vaccinated because mm-hmm. we don't know who's not vaccinated at this point i think something that i could do is uh i try to not just watch my surroundings and this could be very privileged of me to say as just a man but if i see other asian people in the area shopping or something i don't know just try to look around i know that the recent colorado shooting wasn't like a racial crime but hearing the stories of the survivors sounded just like a school shooting i went to the store to go get a red bull i wanted to get some chips and i saw a woman running at me like hollywood screaming like shooter and the guy was like i had to turn around and we all ran to the back of the store looking for an employee telling them hey there's a shooter in the store and they let us out to the back i I just bring up that anecdote just to i don't know how can i think of my surroundings more not just me but other people how can we help other people and like what we're talking about regardless of race just everyone's safety i had this as part of like one of my resolutions to be more anti-racist there's a lot of things that i have to undo and really reflect upon and i think 2020 has been the most reflection of my identity and anything that's just me altogether. Thinking about it, reflecting on it, unpacking it, and then repacking it. So it's like, let's leave this stuff out because I could be better. And then it also makes me think about, I don't know if this is how you use the phrase imposter syndrome, but I question like, what am I doing to do more than just a hashtag? I think I asked this before, maybe on a podcast, but like none of us, at least I think we've shared to each other, want to be a politician. But is really writing legislation the only way to get people to humanize each other? Is that the only way we're going to make change? Because that sucks if it does. And the imposter syndrome that I'm feeling, like, if this is the right way to use it, is teaching enough. Me just having a dialogue with students. I don't feel like it's enough. I honestly don't. Because I haven't, I haven't gone to a BLM protest. I haven't walked outside for Stop AAPI Hate. I haven't done any of that. I, I did it in college. Like, you know, if we had a Veteranos parade, that's different. That's like club stuff. I don't know. I just separate that. But as a teacher, I haven't done anything but post a dialogue for students. And for a lot of people would say like, oh, that's plenty. You're, you're helping change mindsets and have and hold a space for students. But I don't know. I feel like there's more that I can do. Maybe I'm stressing myself out too much thinking about it that way. But to Mario's question, try to move that anti-racist needle for myself. How can I continue to think about that stuff and slowly become more anti-racist? I mean, like, unfortunately, I think in today's climate, having legislation is the surefire way to at least get everybody on a baseline. Because let's look at like how many people refer to the law for anything. When somebody like 
if there's a if there's a fucking school shooting or like a self defense thing or like you know I'm not trying to put them on the same thing but like anything that has to involve a gun they're gonna refer the Second Amendment. If there's any hate verbal hate crime anything that like anybody anything has to say they're gonna refer the First Amendment. Unfortunately, we're at this point where people who are so ignorant and so unwilling to 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 change their behaviors, we know that if like they're gonna refer the like any law or any amendment or anything to keep their right of doing thing of doing that thing. So it like unfortunately, if changing any of those amendments or changing a legislation or put or like lobbying something, that that's the only way that we can at least stop them justifying all of all of this shit. Unfortunately, that's the way. That's our country right now. And to reiterate what I was saying about not just being more, it wasn't the injuries part. It was uh, trying to be aware of outside of my surroundings. I, it just popped in my head. But I, I kind of draw that notion from the three of you because I feel like you three are a lot more bold than I am to speak out in public if you see something happening. I'm, I'm a very passive person. Also, just because I don't think I have the physicality to do something about but i remember when mario was talking about how he was at work and someone was feeling uncomfortable and he's like oh ma'am here's your drink to do more stuff like that you know to if, if i see a situation can i step in can i do something to help at least i want to be more aware of that stuff because knowing that these incidents especially with not necessarily the article that mario was looking at but it i think it is derived from the stop aapi a website the professor you mentioned at sf state like, you know, they're, they're collecting this data. So I think that's why I might be, I don't know, feeling some type of way because these 3,800 reported instances are probably mostly from the Bay Area right? because they're the ones collecting the data. And so, like, how can I be more aware of that stuff if I go out? Because I don't go out a lot. Actually, this was one last thought for me. When you think about BLM and now you think about Stop AAPI, you kind of wonder, who's next? These these are considered trends to some, and to some people, this is a reality. So when is it going to be the part where the roles reverse, where those experiencing the reality are now an audience member to those now experiencing something else? What if it's now become anti-Hispanic or anti-Indian or anti-Russian, anti-anything? There's going to be a movement for that. How long will that last? Will even be significant to some people it's not and that's totally fine if they feel that way some people feel like they're next in line to be the target kind of scary to think about it's kind of the back of the mind because obviously you don't want to think about a pessimistic perspective on what could happen but if you see these recent patterns just because it's a trend doesn't mean that it's just there for now and gone forever this, for some people, this is something they're going to have to just deal with for the rest of their lives, whether they want to or not. And some people are not displayed, which is why maybe some people may feel the way how BLM, they assume that it just rejects all other communities. Or how Stop AAPI is apparently supposed to be like, okay, but let's not stop others from being anti-hate to other communities. And, of course, none of these movements are having those intentions. It is, once again, reiterating from earlier, it is simply just because they are currently the target that they need the support 
So therefore, it is important to get their support now and get the history out now before this trend no longer is, is, is viral. Because then once this passes, the names of those people, as Avery said, they may not be in perfect memory like we used to for BLM. We might still remember the names, but sometimes we may not even remember the story or why that even came to be. Or even 9-11, all those people that died in the World Trade Center, they all knew the names at that point, but what about now? If it's not somebody directly to them that they know, how are they supposed to remember? And it's just kind of this thing where different communities are going to experience this trend because now it's very noticeable in now Asian American communities. Who's next? And if they are next, how is that going to impact them? Because it's 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 a never-ending fight where media is going to try and divide all these communities that they're all separate movements. But in reality, we're all minority groups. And in order to really stick through it, we got to all be on the same level. The same energy we gave BLM should be the same energy we give Stop AAPI. And it may not be as significant because right now it's not as nationally known or even worldwide, but it's a sentiment that is currently being talked about. And for those who petitioned and donated and even talked about the hashtag, if they truly care about those communities that are affected right now or they're people that love the culture and love to appropriate it, maybe they should also give that equitable energy towards this as well. Because unfortunately, as it is, it is going to be a trend. And maybe a couple weeks, months from now, it may no longer be on Twitter or on news or anything. But that doesn't mean that it's over. It just means that it's no longer being talked about. Just some, some food for thought for those watching. If it does happen to you next, how will you respond? For anyone who's listening, just understand or try to understand what it truly means to be hashtag stop AAPI hate. It's much more than what you think. We're we're struggling out here and we're trying to we're trying to survive and we want to be unified and be happy with everybody, but we can't. So we gotta we gotta stop the hate that's happening towards us. Thank you guys, and I believe that is all we have today for this week's episode of Wine Thursday Podcast. I, we really do appreciate you guys uh, tuning in for this one. Uh, it was a very heavy topic, but I do hope that a lot of you guys understand the importance of what we discussed today and that our opinions are strictly our opinions. And of course, you guys all have the right to have different feelings or mixed emotions about things that are happening in today's day because what we say is not factual but we do have the evidence to back up why we feel such a way uh but before we wrap up this week's episode i do want to take the time to give awareness to certain organizations that are doing their part in terms of supporting uh the anti-asian hate movement that's going on certain organizations that we're going to be listing in the description whether you're watching on youtube or taking a listen on our spot spotify channel such as stop aapi hate as well as what red canary asian and migrant sex worker support network and many more that we'll have listed in our description i really do 
all of us over here we really do appreciate if you guys took a minute out of your day to check it out donate or just to educate on why these issues are so important as always thank you very much for tuning in for this week's episode of wine thursday podcast me aya avery and bryn happy to have y'all here thank you for your support through our 15 episodes now Woo-woo. damn damn bro that's, that's, that's quite damn. some content as of course 15 episodes is really just a start um if you ever want to get in touch with our Discord, also feel free to check that out in the description whether you're on youtube or spotify as new episodes are posted every thursday unless we uh, announce that there are some delays because we are all grown people we may sometimes have other things that may be in the way we got lives but we also we also got content that we really want to produce for you guys and also if you want to check out of our previous episodes on wine thursday podcast our last episode we had a bunch of guest appearances from our favorite friends that are all streamers we all talk about the topic of streaming it's certain social issues with that and also just the fun in streaming and we'll wrap it up with a final cheers unfortunately i'm all out of whatever i was drinking but i'll just say cheers for the episode so we hope to hear you guys next week and thank you for tuning in yeah Yeah. Cheers. cheers